Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. All righty. I don't know if you guys noticed um, who was up there. That's me. I'm up there. That's, I get, to, I get, the, yeah, you guys not only get to, to see me walk around, but I'm on the video. Uh, it's the hair, yeah, sometimes I wear a hat. Uh, we, <laughs> I, I wore a, when it's cold, I, I fall into this bad habit of not um, getting my hair cut. And when I don't get my hair cut, it's hard for me to fix my hair the way that I like it. Um, and so I just wear uh, a beanie. And uh, I didn't wear a beanie one Sunday, and someone goes, hey, where's your beanie at? And I was like, man, I wear a beanie too much. <laughs> I need to stop. <laughs> I think people forget that I have hair. Uh, no, but I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. Um, if you guys don't know me, my name is Logan. Uh, I'm the youth pastor here at Legacy Church, and I'm just so um, pumped to, to be sharing with you guys this morning. I knew that I was going to be speaking for a few weeks now. Um, this was kind of planned, um, and I know that you knew it also, and that you came here this morning to hear me speak, um, and thank you so much. <laughs> no, uh, I, no, but what happened is when I, when I, my dad told me, he's like, hey, I need you to speak. I'm going to be out of town. Um, I need you to speak, and I was like, okay, this is great, and then I found out that it was the week after Easter, um, and if it, the only other time besides Christmas um, and Easter, this is the second uh, most nerve-wracking day to preach, because um, if we have people who had not been here until, since last week, maybe last week was their first time, um, it's nerve-wracking. I'm like, this is, this is my shot, and so in thinking about preaching today, uh, to calm my nerves, I felt like I had to categorize the two types of people that are here this morning, the first type of people um, would be the people who have heard me speak before. And they've been here on a Sunday morning or maybe a Wednesday night, and they've heard me speak before. And so what I ask those people to do, if that's you and you fit in that category, I need you to do what you always do. And just bear with me. We're going to get through this. Man, I promise. Well, I'm trying. I'm going to try my best. Uh, but just hang on, and we're going to get through this. And the second type of people, the second category of people, are people who haven't heard me speak before. And this is more important. This is, the, this is the more important group in my heart. If you haven't heard me speak, I just want to throw out a disclaimer. First and foremost, I want you to know that my dad will be back next Sunday, and he'll handle all the damage control that happens uh, throughout this message. But just bear with me, um, and I'm excited to speak to you guys this morning. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to have a great time. I'm excited. Uh, like I said, I knew that I was going to speak this morning. Um, my dad is actually, he is, uh, he's doing a wedding ceremony uh, this morning in Gulf Shores. He's, it's, it's hard sometimes, you know. Not only do you have to do weddings, but you got to go all the way to the beach to do it. Um, no, but it's a, it's a great couple that uh, grew up in my parents' youth ministry in Huntsville, and um, so that's where they are this morning. They are, they are doing that wedding ceremony. Uh, but being, sometimes what I thought about, it's just a side note, what it's like being a pastor sometimes um, looks a lot like owning a truck, and I'm sure the people who own trucks can speak to this. When you own a truck, everyone expects you to help them move. Anybody who's owned a truck can say, every, like, yes, like, they think that the reason that you bought a truck was because it was in God's plan for you to help them move. And you're like, no, this, I, this, this truck is for me. And everyone's like, hey, you got a truck? Be in my house tomorrow at noon. And you're like, oh, my goodness. But that's sometimes what it's like being a pastor uh, when it comes to weddings. Everyone and their mom thinks that you want to do their ceremony. And so you've got to be there at the drop of the hat. No, I'm just kidding. It's a great, it's a great honor. Um, like I said, I guess I'll just throw this back out there. My dad will do damage control next week. Uh, just bear with me. You know, I'm a youth pastor, and uh, I haven't done this for long, but... 
Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, on a more serious note, in, in preparation for today, I've really been praying and thinking about what I feel like God has placed on my heart to um, speak through me and, and to speak to you, because I want my time here to be with you, uh, not my words, but the Lord's words, because I know that his words will speak so much more powerful than I could ever do, because on my own, um, I just ramble. Uh, but with the Lord's help, maybe I'll say something that you're like, hey, that's good. And, and if you do, um, the, if, in order to get out of the service quicker, let me know that you think it's good. And then we'll, you know, I'll be like, oh, they got it. We'll move on. Uh, that's just kind of how this works. I need some feedback from you guys. Um, but in preparation for this, I've, I've kept coming across the same really theme uh, in the past few weeks in my life. Um, and I've just, I, I don't know uh, all the times how this works. The Lord just kind of works in mysterious ways. But sometimes um, in sermon preparation and doing this, I do this on, on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings for the youth. Um, in sermon preparation, what I find is the Lord drops a scripture in my heart, and then I really build around that. I build around what I feel like the Lord has, has spoken to me through his word. Um, but on other occasions, what I feel like the Lord does is he drops maybe a phrase or, or just a thought or, or something in my heart. Um, and my job then is to go and find out whether or not it's biblical. Because sometimes we can hear from ourselves, and sometimes we can hear from the Lord. So I feel like that's really what the Lord did with me in this sermon. I, I just have this topic in my mind um, that I've been thinking on for the past few weeks. Um, and I didn't really know where I wanted to go with this, but I knew that God had this, uh, maybe just for me, but I hope for you guys as well. But we were at this thing called District Council um, this last week, Monday through Wednesday, uh, me and my uh, family were in Mobile, and uh, we were at a church conference. This is pretty much all it is, is, is a church conference uh, for pastors for us to just come and get uh, refreshed by our, our pastor, um, the superintendent, uh, Kendron, who spoke to us um, a couple uh, Sundays ago. But we were down there, and I was just sitting in services, and, and it's, sometimes it's, we don't, as pastors, get to do that a lot. We don't get to sit in services or um, if you're like the Owens family band and, and we don't get to do a lot of worship because we're up here on the stage worshiping. Um, it's nice to be refreshed and just to sit there and experience uh, what that's like to, to hear a message. And so um, as I'm listening to this guy speak, I'm just thinking like, Lord, I know that I have to preach on Sunday and I get nauseous and uh, I need your help and I need you to tell me what to speak. I need you to tell me the scripture that I need to speak from. Um, and the, the guy was speaking and I don't think he realized it, but he spoke uh, the word, the scripture that really confirmed in my heart um, this topic that I want to speak on. Uh, this morning. So what I want to do is I just want to read through a few uh, verses out of Luke chapter 10, and then we'll dive into what I feel like the Lord has for us uh, this morning. So if you can follow along on the screen, or if, uh, or if you want, it's on the Bible app as well, and you can follow along there. It says this in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The Lord replies, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Everybody hand clap this guy. He's answered it. He got, he got the question right. Yeah. Then he goes on to say, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor. In, Jesus, uh, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest who happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw, he passed by on the other side. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, 
came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to bandage his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he uh, put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you have. Which of these, Jesus said, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus then told him, go and do likewise. Bow your heads with me as we pray this morning. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for what you have for us. God, we ask that as I stand on the stage, God, and I speak to your people, that it would be your words and not mine. God, we thank you that I get this opportunity, God, to be a vessel that you work through. And I pray that it, it would be you who's up on the stage. God, and you would just touch our hearts and help us to experience you in a new way. God, we thank you and we praise you in this house. Amen. So recently in the past few weeks, uh, me and Shelby have gotten the opportunity to do a lot of traveling, uh, mainly up and back and forth in Nashville. And we've got to meet um, a lot of really new people and, and awesome people. Um, after you get in conversation with them, you find out some really cool things about them. You know, these people have lived in all kinds of different places. They've, they've traveled around. They've got to experience all these awesome things. They've had all these different jobs. Um, and it's really awesome to hear what they have to say, hear their perspective on life and, and the things um, that they, they've been able to experience. Um, and honestly, and I don't know why I haven't uh, really thought about this, but I've started loving meeting new people. And you're like, that's good. <laughs> that's what it looks like to be friendly. You like meeting new people. You don't hate it. Uh, but I've loved meeting these new people because I've started to notice um, a question that they ask a lot of the times, if you spend more than like, a, oh, hey, how's it going? My name's Logan. Okay, good to meet you. Bye. Like, if you spend some time in conversation with these people, this question usually pops up, and I see a pattern um, in what they ask. They usually ask you, what do you do? What do you do? Because uh, when we look a little bit deeper into this question, they don't necessarily uh, want to know exactly what your job is. The, the question doesn't usually root from what, what do, what's your nine to five? What do you do on a Monday through Friday basis? Usually, the reason they ask you this question is so that they can get a little bit of insight on, on your hobbies, on your passions, uh, on your life. Because it would be a little weird if after you introduced yourself and you said, hey, I'm Logan, insert your name, not Logan. If you say, hey, uh, it's nice to meet you, and they go, who are you? And you're like, I thought I just told you. My name's Logan. <laughs> Because it would be weird because they want to know who you are. They want to know more about you because if this relationship is going to go anywhere, you need to know about each other. You need to know their, their likes and dislikes and topics that you can, you know, have conversation on because it would be not much of a great relationship if you just sat there in silence all the time. So they want to know how to relate to you. And so I know that this, this question pops up, what do you do? And I would go out on a limb and say that most, if not all, relationships that you guys have started with new people have asked that question at some point. And I think there's something behind that question that has a deeper spiritual meaning if we look closer. The, the question asks, what do we do? What fills our time? Do is, is a verb. What you do is, is what you go out and do. I, don't, I mean, there's not much else to it. What you do is, is what you, the actions that you take. And the question is not who we are, but that's what they want to know. What I want to talk to you guys about this morning, what I want you to walk out of this place with, is this thing that the Lord has placed in my heart to speak for the past few weeks and it's this, if you don't hear anything else, hear this quote, what you do can speak louder than what you think, what you say, or what you believe. The things that you do, the actions that you take, how you live your life can speak louder 
than what you think, what you do, and what you believe. And, and I'll unpack that as we go. The first thing is this, actions versus thought. How does that look in, 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 your, in your thought life? What you do, looks, it speaks louder than what you think. In verse 27, this is the, the answer from uh, the, law, the lawmaker, the lawyer. He says this, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And this is where uh, we, we hand clap the Merlin cards. Jesus says, you answered correctly. He did it. He made it. He answered. He got 100 on the test. This guy did it. He nailed it. In this guy's mind, he's like, done. I'm so good at this. I should take this test all the time. But then Jesus kind of goes on, and he shakes things up. And if you look at the background, what he says really upsets this man without knowing what's in his mind. Jesus goes on to say, do this, and you will live. So what he's saying in this moment is, that's great that you know those things. That's great that you know what to do. That's great that you study the law and you know these things, but do you do these things? Do you actually love your neighbor as yourself? Do you actually love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? In this story, before the the parable, we see this elder in the faith. See, this guy who comes up to him, he was a lawmaker. He knew the law. He studied the law every single day. He knew what was right. That was his job, to know what was right. And then he goes on to test Jesus and to trap Jesus because at this time, they looked differently upon Jesus as we look at him today. We see Jesus in a big picture. We see Jesus as we see his whole ministry. We know what he came to do. We believe that he is the risen son of Christ. But in this time, they looked at Jesus differently. It says that they were looking upon Jesus as a Sabbath breaker and a despiser of tradition. The lawyer no doubt expected that Jesus would lay down some new rule for obtaining salvation. That in this time... The lawmaker didn't care what Jesus said. All he was trying to do was trap him into saying something that was against the law because that's what they saw Jesus as, as this man who was a despiser of tra- uh, tradition. They didn't, they didn't see Jesus' heart. They didn't really care about Jesus' actions. They wanted to know what he thought. But if you look at how Jesus responds to the man, you'll see something that the lawyer didn't realize. In studying this verse and really looking at the background of this verse in in, uh, verse 28, here's what I found about Jesus as he uh, responded to this trap. As Jesus was asked this question that was obviously a trap, here's how Jesus responded. It said, the lawyer had asked his question simply as a test. With him, the law was simply a matter for speculation and theory. And the word do was very startling. It showed the difference between his and the master's view of the law. To this lawmaker, all this was was speculation. All this was is I'm saying that I know what I'm talking about. I've read it. I've studied it. This is my job. I know what I'm talking about. But Jesus's view on the law was a little bit different. It's great that you know it. It's great that you have the knowledge behind it. It's great that you think these things. I think it's, it's really easy to think some things. But are you going to do that? Are you going to do what you claim Do you know you're going to do what you say to people that you know? This lawyer had spent his life trying his best to know the ins and outs of the law. And what Jesus ended up doing was exposing the downfall in that plan. The lawyer had placed more importance on knowing what is right than doing what is right. God has called us to not only know what we know about him, but he's called us to go and be doers of the word. We've all heard James chapter 1, verses 20 through, to, uh, through 25, it says this, but be doers of the word and not, only, uh, not hearers only, deceiving 
yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like the man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. One of the biggest ways that I think the enemy can keep us from progressing in our heavenly mission of making disciples, because that's why we're here on this earth, is to not only hear the word, but to share it with those around us. The biggest way that I think the enemy keeps us from progressing is by telling us these two things. The first one is that we don't know enough yet to save those who are around us. That we don't know enough to actually truly save those who need saving. For those who don't know Jesus, that we don't know enough. And so because of that, we're reserved in our faith. The next one is this. Our best way of spreading the gospel is by showing off our knowledge of the law. The enemy tells us those two things, that either we don't know enough to actually see a true transformation in someone's life, or we haven't said the right things yet. If we could just tell them how Jesus works, if we could just tell them how Jesus feels, if we could just tell them and we could just let them know that I know what I'm talking about. My faith is, my faith, I, my faith is strong. You should just see my thoughts. Man, that's great. And I think that you should tell people about your faith. You should let them know what your thoughts are about the Lord. That's great. But are you showing them by your actions that you believe what you think? Because that makes all the difference. That makes all the difference. Let me say this. We're called to study God's word. Don't get me wrong. We're all called to study God's word on a daily basis. But in my own life, sharing my faith with someone who didn't know Jesus didn't start by telling them how much I knew about a faith that they didn't have yet. You know how hard it is to explain something to someone that they don't know anything about? It takes time. It takes effort. It takes you continually spending time with that person. And sometimes we don't have all the words or the time in the world to share our thoughts. But what I can say is you have the time to do what it looks like to be Jesus. You have the ability to act out what Jesus tells you to do in loving your neighbor and loving him incredibly. We have that time. Sometimes we don't have all the words, but we have the time. It started by me, uh, by them seeing that I cared about them. You know how easy it is to dismiss something from someone when you're like, you don't know who I am, I don't know you, this means nothing to me. Like, it's very easy. If you, if you come across someone, especially someone that you don't like, and they're trying to, like, tell you that you're wrong or that there's a better way, and you're like, why am I going to listen to you? <laughs> like, last week you insulted my shoes, and I was, just got these shoes, and no, I'm not going to listen to you. Like, what are you talking about? No, if you can just live that faith in front of them in, in, the, in the combination of, of sharing your faith, the chances that you get, It'll do all the difference. That roots a trust in them that allows our words to get through as I was living out God's word in front of them. That little by little, I was being an example of who God is and how God can change even me. I think people need to understand that we don't have it right. That we, we aren't perfect. That, hey, the Lord can change even a person like me. Because that helps them to understand that they're not alone. That helps them to understand that there is an incredible plan on their life as well, no matter what they've gone through. So if you're wanting to know how to evangelize better to those around you, study your word daily, but live the word consistently. Live the word on a consistent basis. And I promise you, if you can do that, the people who then ask you questions about your faith will be more receptive to what you have to say. 
And then that leads me to my second point, actions versus words. If you go on to verse 29, it says, but he wanted to justify himself, talking about the lawyer. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? So at this point, this lawyer was taken back. He was like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I'm losing this debate because that's how a lot of people who, who uh, study this verse see this as, is this guy is trying to debate Jesus. And he realizes, the lawyer realizes that he is losing this debate. And so what he tries to do is he tries to spout off words that let people around him know, no, 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 I know what I'm talking about. Like, don't, don't worry about what just happened. I know what I'm talking about. Just, just if you could just hear what I know, if you could just hear, let me, let me, let me redirect this conversation back to something that I, I can stand on. The next thing that I think we should understand is the lawyer's rebuttal. We see this rebuttal, and, and it looks on the outside like this lawyer's actually trying to better himself. His words look like he's trying now, but who's my neighbor? Lord, I don't know who my neighbor is. Lord, just tell me who my neighbor is. He looks like he's trying to understand because of the things that he says. And it looks a lot like what, it, what a lot of the pastors of this time, the rabbis of this time, did with the law. In, in, in study, it says this, such debate sometimes represents true devotion of the law. So sometimes debating who your neighbor is is, is a good thing, is what we should do. But it easily deteriorates into academic exercise, that there's nothing behind it that all they want to do is just debate the law because of this. By continually debating the law, one can delay compliance of the law. If we can just get ourselves talking about it, if we can just get ourselves going back and forth and, man, like, no, this is what that means. No, this is what that means. No, I wish you would see it my way. I wish you could see No, but this is the study that I've done. If we could just, if we could just keep talking about it, then we don't ever have to do it. If we could just keep talking about God's word, if we could just keep, you know, just arguing with one another about, no, the way that you believe is different than the way that I believe. And, and until we come to an agreement, like we're just going to sit here and just do this. It delays the compliance of the law. I feel like we often fall, that, uh, fall into that subject ourselves. God has called us to a higher place of living, a better place in relationship with him. But what it ends up being is a debate on who is right and wrong, ultimately delaying our obedience. We know that we know that we know so much that we're not going to move until someone believes the way that we believe. That it doesn't matter what you believe. Until you believe like I do, I don't have to show you what it looks like to be the love of God. I don't have to act out because you're not going to accept it anyway. You're not going to understand my actions because you don't believe like I do. We lose ground to the enemy because we're too often quarreling amongst ourselves. And sometimes that quarrel is inside of us. Sometimes that quarrel is inside of our own hearts. Man, I can't show that person love because they did this to me. Man, how am I supposed to show Jesus to those around me if they don't know my heart first? They don't believe like I do. They're not going to understand my actions. If I could just tell them that I believe or what I believe first, then my actions would reflect what I say and not the other way around. And we miss out on opportunity after opportunity to share the love of Jesus with someone because we haven't justified actions that we haven't even made yet, things that we haven't even done yet. We're trying to pave way with our words for our actions when we try to argue with someone about our faith. When, we, when God made the decision to send his son to the earth and pay for our sins and bring us into relationship with him, he didn't have to iron out all the details first. He understood what he had to do, and he did it. He sent his son to the earth. If you look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, it says this. This is how God showed 
his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I spoke on that message. I used that verse a few weeks ago in youth. That love in this verse is not a feeling. Love in this verse isn't something you tell somebody. Love in this verse isn't just something that you know about. Love is a verb. That God sent his son because he loved us. That it wasn't just this empty promise that he sent, or it wasn't that God tried to just tell us that he loved us. He didn't want us to just know that he loved us. No, but God took the next step and sent his son to die for us. That's what love looks like, and that's what it looks like for you and I. If we truly want people to understand that we love them, we can't beat them down every time that they do or say something wrong. We have to show them that we truly care about them, that God has a plan and a purpose on their lives. Uh, If we truly love those around us like we say that we do, not just like we think that we do, but like we say that we do, let's begin to show them instead of telling them. It's a lot easier to show somebody and them to understand than it is to tell somebody. Just a real quick story uh, about this shirt. Um, I recently got this shirt. Uh, I'm a big fan of this shirt. I I really like uh, the way that it looks um, when, like, you're insecure sometimes like I am. Anything that looks good on you, you buy, regardless of of the price or whatever. You just, hey, I'm I'm doing it. And so a few weeks ago, I bought this shirt. Um, Some of you may have seen it when I wore it um, to the Easter picnic because I own a washer and dryer, and I can wear shirts this close together. I promise it's clean. But when I wore this shirt, I wasn't with Shelby when I bought it. And let let me just disclose that she likes this shirt, too. I'm not trying to start some kind of argument or anything. She likes this shirt as well. But when she walked in, and I was wearing the shirt because I wanted to show it off when she walked in, um, I hadn't seen her in four days, and I was like, I got to look good. Um, I was sitting on the couch, and she walks in, and I'm like, what do you think? What do you think about this shirt? And she's like, oh, it's a nerd shirt. And I was like, yeah, it is. This is a nerd shirt. This is totally a nerd shirt. This is like something that you would see on the Cosby show. Like, this is a nerd shirt. Someone thought it was a sweater, and I was like, man, why is this not a sweater? Like, but... So what that says about me is that when she said it was a nerd shirt, I was like pumped because I'm a huge nerd. If you don't know me, you don't know that, but I love nerdy things. I love comic books. I love playing video games. Uh, I love going to the midnight premieres of every comic book movie or sci-fi movie that has ever came out ever. And you can believe me when I tell you that. But what would help you believe it more is if you saw me watching Avengers Endgame on Thursday night and I lost my mind. <laughs> Something happened on the screen, and it was incredible. I'm not going to spoil it for you. You need to check it out for yourself. But I stood up and clapped and yelled and was like, yeah! <laughs> Woo! Like, this is it. This is what I'm talking about. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm about. I'm about some comic book stuff. And so I can stand on the stage, and I can tell you I'm a nerd. I can tell you I love comic books. I love superhero movies. But until you watch me, stand up out of my movie theater seat and popcorn go everywhere and I'm screaming at a movie screen of something that as that it's not real, you're not going to understand it as much as I'd like you to. 
Shelby understands it. She was sitting right there. I got popcorn on her. <laughs> but it's the same way with our faith. Man, we can talk to someone until we're blue in the face that we love Jesus. Man, I love Jesus. I'm telling you I love Jesus. I'm telling you I love Jesus. But then you go away and your actions don't reflect what you say. If you would act the way that you think and act the way that you say, maybe people would understand who Jesus is a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? That, that there's more to Jesus than just knowing what's right. There's more to Jesus than just saying what's right. But it's about a life change. It's about your actions. It's about what you do. And that leads me to my third point, And it's your actions versus your belief. Jesus goes on to tell this story, um, and, and we all know the story about the Good Samaritan. We hear it um, every other Sunday, but it says this in verse 31. A priest happened to be going down the same road as the man who was beaten. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The last point that I want to make this morning really focuses on the three people in this story. The priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. Because when you examine their belief system of each person and what they believed in, you realize that their actions didn't match up. Their actions didn't follow up with what they believed in. The first two people are the, the priest and the Levite. They're a little bit similar people. The priest obviously was a man who served as the mediator between uh, God and humanity. So uh, before Jesus, we had to go to a priest and tell him everything, and then he relayed that message to God. How many of you are glad that we don't have to do that anymore? Amen. That would be a long job for me. I would be here all day long, every day. Um, but that's what the priest did. The priest was this manly man of God. I, guess, I don't know if he's manly. I guess he, he was a man of God, but um, in the time... Uh, he, was the, he was the best of the best. He was kind of the person that you looked at and you're like, man, if I could just live my life like him, like we all have that person. And mine's my dad. Like, I'm not, like he, man, he's just a good person. Like he's just a good person. Um, everybody said, oh, thank you. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just joking with you guys. But this, this priest worked at the temple. They were supposed to be the most godly men of the time. Then you have the Levite. And the Levites were descendants of the tribe of Levi. They were also temple ministers. They helped out with the duties of the priests. So these two godly pastors at the time who believed and studied the right thing to do did the wrong thing. In this situation, these two men knew and probably would tell somebody what to do in that situation. But their beliefs and what they did didn't match up. They knew what they should have done. Some people think that these didn't help because they were on their way back home from temple. They were on their way back home from their job. They were tired. They wanted to get home. They didn't have time. They were off duty. Some people say that it was possible that they were overwhelmed at how big of a job that it was going to be to carry this man through the mountains. That this man was beaten, broken, and bruised, and it was going to be a physical job to get this man to where he needed to be. Some people say that the Levite, he passed by because he saw the priest ignore him first. And so he followed by example. Jesus doesn't explain their reasoning for ignoring it, but what sticks out to me 
is that they were probably perceived at the time as the best of the best. They were who you could go to if you had something in your life that you needed help with. They were who you could go to at the, they were the last line of defense before you just broke down and cried. That They were the people that you go to. They were the people you could count on to do the right thing, but they walked away. They passed by this man, this man who needed help, this man who needed assistance. And then you have the Samaritan, and I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard this, but in this time, Jews considered Samaritans to be half-breeds. They were a mix uh, intermarried with pagans, defiled, unfit for God's service. They assumed that this man, that, uh, the Bible assumes that this man that Jesus is talking about is a Jewish man. So at the time that this Samaritan and this Jew would not have a relationship with one another. This Samaritan and this Jew didn't talk on a regular basis, that he didn't know this man at all. Jews avoid contact with Samaritans whenever possible and consider them worse than pagans. So the relationship between them was not good. The relationship between them, they weren't friends, they weren't buddies, it wasn't like you're, you know, someone you knew really close to you, your spouse. It was someone who seemed unfit for God's service that reached out a hand and was the light of Jesus. It was someone who did what needed to be done rather than tell them what should have been done. It wasn't what he believed that pushed him to act. It's what, he's, what he did. So three real quick things that I saw about these men that I feel like we need to take note of, and then I'll be closing. Shelby, if you could come up this morning and just play something softly. The first thing is this. In verse 33, when you look at it, it says, uh, when he saw him, talking about um, the, the, the Samaritan man. When the Samaritan man saw this guy. This, first, uh, this is the first of the Samaritan's redemptive actions. He sees the wounded man, and he doesn't avert his eyes. He sees the need. He doesn't look away, but he helps the man. He goes to him. He doesn't see the wounded man as some sort of hopeless, disgusting lump of flesh. He sees a human in need, and as we'll see, he feels his pain. Because that could happen to anybody. I don't know if the, if the robbers had an agenda when they went, walked out there that they had planned on attacking this man. The Bible's not clear on that. But what I do know is that kind of stuff can happen to anybody. And so when the Samaritan saw him, he didn't, he didn't care this guy's descent. He didn't care what this man looked like. He didn't care that it was going to be a hard task ahead of him to get this man the help that he needed. What he saw was a human, a human in need. How many times in our lives can we see that there are humans in need around us. And because they don't look like us, they don't talk like us, they don't believe like us, that we let somebody else do it. And I never want to miss out on the opportunity that God has for me to reach my hand out and show them the love of God. I thought about in this message doing a, a, a thing where you write down on a postcard, on, on, on one side you write down the, the top three sermons or messages or, or, or things that you've ever heard preached, the top three. And then on the other side, you write down the five most influential people in your life. You know how much easier it is to remember the people who influenced you than it is sermons you heard that were good? Because in a month, you're not going to remember me saying most of this stuff. I'll just say it out loud because it has nothing to do with me. I'm not, I haven't said anything maybe other than this shirt's great because I'll wear this shirt again. But maybe you're, you've heard something today and you're like, this is fantastic. That's what God wanted to speak to me today. I hope that he, he seals that in your heart and you remember that forever. But what touches you guys more, what touches me more, is if I had an impact in your life, if you had a need and I stepped out and helped. 
And it's the same way with other people. If you guys want to see people influenced by God and for God, be that influence. The Lord is looking for us to be Jesus with skin on. He's looking for us to reach a hand out in need and not see someone who's this broken, bruised lump of flesh, but someone who's in need, a human being like you and I. That's in need. If you move on, it says that the Samaritan was moved with compassion. And the compassion, the, the word that it means, uh, means that he was moved to the depths of his bowels with compassion. The same depths of my bowels that I felt nervous about this morning, speaking to you guys this morning, that's what that man felt in that sense. He felt in his stomach that he should do something. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of signs behind it, but what I feel like that is, is the Spirit of the Lord tugging on you to move. That there's something that you need to do to relieve the pain in a human being's life. There's something that you need to do. There's not something you need to say. There's not something that you should think about when you see the pain and, and just reflect on. There's not something that, that you just need to believe new about. No. There's something that you need to do to relieve the pain in someone else's life. The Spirit of the Lord is pushing us and trying to grow us into a more reliant person on Him. That when we feel that feeling in our stomachs, that it's not something that we just feel and then push away, but it's something that we begin to act on because we see the need. The last thing is this. In verse 34, it says that the Samaritan poured on oil and wine. And it says the oil and wine were not only used for dressing wounds, but they were also used in Jewish worship. The priest and the Levite who handle oil and wine at the temple failed to use them to relieve human suffering among the road. And what I really feel like God's trying to tell us is this. These people had the means to relieve this man's pain. This, th these two people had the power to relieve this man's physical pain. They, they worked with the oil and wine all the time. They used it to, to help those in need who came to the temple. But what they failed to do is, some, is to help someone who was of their own descent, who was laying on the road and needed their help the most. And I feel like in our lives, sometimes we forget the power that we hold inside of us to set people free. We sit in these seats and we hear really good sermons and, we, and every other time that the, we, we rededicate our lives, Lord, I'm doing it again. I'm back. And that's great. But when we walk out of here and forget the power that the Lord wants to, in, to, to give to us, to not just be power inside, but to be power outside, what we're doing is we're neglecting what we know to do. We're neglecting to, to it's, it's easy to rely on God's power in worship. It's easy to lift your hands and to sing and, and, Lord, I need your power right now. I'm going through something. Lord, I need your power right now. But when we see someone in need, where's that power? When we see someone who needs our help, when we see someone who we have the opportunity and, we, and the know-how to help them out and we neglect it, what does that say about our beliefs? That maybe we don't believe how we say that we do. Because our actions don't line up. And I know this is a heavy message. And I know that I'm, like, I don't want this to seem like I'm calling you out for not doing what you're supposed to do. Not doing what you know to do. What I'm doing is I'm calling myself out. I want this to be an encouragement. That you don't have to have the right thoughts. 
You don't have to have the right words to say. You don't have to have your beliefs 100% on what God has and says for you in the Bible. Man, if you're striving and you're reading and you're studying the word, man, the Lord will work that stuff out as he goes. But what I can tell you is this, you can step out and move. You can take that step. You can help somebody out. You have the power in your heart. The Lord wants you to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. The Bible doesn't say that the Lord wants you to be the brain and the mouth. You're the hands and the feet of Jesus. Step out. Go. Reach your hand out to those who are in need. And I promise you the return in that person's life will go beyond any good thing that you could say to them. And it'll move into how you influence them in the way that the Lord has for you. And maybe you'll give hope to someone who's hopeless. Maybe you'll give hope to someone who no one's believed in them before. And maybe you guys haven't heard it in a long time, but I believe in you guys. You guys go where me and my, my dad can't go. Me and Pastor Shad can't, you know, always be in your work. We can't always be beside you in the car like, oh, man, here's what you should have said. Here's what you should have done. I, hey, I'll take the reins for you next time. No, you guys have a reach further than this church has on its own because you're the hands and the feet of the Lord. So this morning, I'm going to pray. And it's not going to be anything. It's not going to be crazy. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I want you, where you are, regardless of what you're thinking right now, to make a declaration in your heart that when you see a need, that it's going to go beyond your thoughts. It's going to go beyond your words. And it's going to go beyond your belief. And you're going to impact someone's life with the power of the Lord that resides inside of you. And sometimes that looks like sitting by somebody and not saying a word and letting them just spill it all out and just letting them know that you care about them and that you love them in an incredible way. So let's pray this morning. Dear Lord, we thank you for who you are, God. God we thank you for the incredible plan and passion and purpose that you have on each and every one of our lives. God, we ask that as we leave this place this morning, that you would encourage us to do the work that you'd have us do, God, that we wouldn't just think about doing the right thing, God. We wouldn't just talk about doing the right thing, God. We wouldn't just believe in the right thing, God, but we would do the right thing. God, that we would try our best, that even when we don't know the outcome, even when we don't know the circumstance, that you would empower us to be the hands and feet of you, God. God, we thank you for who you are this morning because it's not by our might or our power, but it's by your power, Jesus, that we can move and be the people that people need. God, we thank you and we praise you this morning, God, as we leave this place, help us to just see you in the everyday things, Lord. Just see you in every move that we make, in every, every way that we turn our heads, God, we would see you working in an abundant power, God. We thank you and we praise you for these people this morning. In your precious name, amen. And amen. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.